The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to The Other Wrestling Show. Tonight we are reviewing the All Elite Wrestling pay-per-view, Double or Nothing. As always, I'm here with Mike. My name is Joel, and uh, we're going to talk through all of these matches in order, starting off with the pre-show, the buy-in, best friends defeating Private Party via pinfall. Mike, talk to me. What did you think about this match? I think it turned out to be everything we thought it was going to be. You know, some cool spots uh, from the hyper-athletic Private Party. Um, There was a little, you know, sloppiness in the middle of it. There were some spots that didn't go off as you know i think they planned but uh you know we we obviously um best friends got the win um after a strong zero and yeah just the spots throughout this match i think my favorite was the shooting star press off of was it trent's back from quen with um isaiah Cassidy like honing him from below i've never seen anything like that so much potential from these guys. Um, I do think it was the right move. You know, they've been building the best friends up over quarantine into the number one contender. And I really can't wait for the eventual match between the best friends and, excuse me, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. I think that match is just going to tear the house down. What are your yeah, thoughts, Joel? I, I think my one word review of this match is potential. And I think that works in a few different ways. One, we saw the potential of how good Private Party is going to be. They are so creative and coming up with different offensive spots and different ways of getting into familiar moves that we've seen before. And it just makes everything a little bit more interesting to watch. And then the other side of it is the potential of the impending match between best friends and Omega and Adam Page. This is a match that sees, you know, four veterans of the business who have been around for a while, who know what they're doing, who can put on a show. So I I think there's a lot that is going to be coming out of this moving forward. The tag team division has kind of been on pause with Adam Page being unavailable. Now that he's back and he's around, I'm excited that we already know what this next championship match is going to be. And, you know, the after Wednesday, after this upcoming Wednesday, all three of the titles on the men's side are going to be known quantities in terms of who's challenging for them, because we know, uh, you know, kind of spoiler for our upcoming match. We know who is going to be challenging for the AEW title next Wednesday. We're going to have that battle royal. So we'll know who's going to be challenging for the TNT title next. And then based off of this pre-show match, we know who's going to be challenging for the tag titles. So I like that this this roadmap is kind of laid out for us. And I think this match did a good job of getting us there. Yeah, for sure. You know, I I don't really have much to say, you know, because it it went kind of chalk. We knew exactly what was going to happen. But man, yeah, I'm I'm, it's really nice to have things kind of in going forward again. You know, we we were both concerned about AEW going back to live tapings and everything going on with uh, the pandemic. But man, the last two or three weeks have been extra exciting because it's kind of given us the we don't know what's going to happen vibe, which is, um, you know, it's kind of missing during quarantine time. So unless you don't have anything else about this match, we can move on to the main card. Yeah, let's move on. And before we get into the main card, let me just say, I think this was an exceptionally good pay-per-view. If you were holding out, if you didn't pay to watch this one, it is worth it. Go back, purchase it on BR Live or or from wherever you like to get your pay-per-views from because this is not one you want to miss. This match, this card was stacked from top to bottom. And uh, starting off with the excellent casino ladder match with Brian Cage getting the victory and earning himself an AEW title shot. Wow. Brian Cage. Yeah. I was so freaking stoked when he came out as the final entrant of this match. And first off, I want to talk about just the fact that the match style, I think really worked. You know, we've talked about the innovation that we've wanted to see from AEW, the innovation that has been lacking in the professional wrestling industry in North America. 
And to combine basically the Royal Rumble with a ladder match was different. And it hit and I think it worked. And to be able to give us, you know, kind of a Royal Rumble surprise in this match was incredible. But oh my God, the spots in this match and like. I just <laughs> words. I can't find the words to describe some of these things because they were insane. My, the first thing that comes to my mind was Darby Allen doing the Ollie off the top of the ladder, like what, three minutes into the match, four minutes into the match. <laughs> and that's such a scary spot because like, if you're just doing a splash or something like that, you know, you're falling square to the ground. That skateboard like got lodged in one of the rungs of the ladder or something. He could have like knocked out all his fucking teeth. So just Darby Allen, you know, doing we knew he was going to do something crazy. But that spot for me very early on was, I think, the spot of the match. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Darby is fearless and the Indies own ladder matches. This is something that's been true for a long time. And it's nice to see that that's carried over with all of the indie talent that's been brought into AEW and the more independent wrestling mindset that goes into their creative. It's fantastic to see a match like this that's put together with so many cool spots, but also has some kind of familiar refrains. We saw the surprise entrant, Brian Cage, come out, have his big moment, take some people out look like a million bucks and then he got buried as everybody teamed up on him and they put him under literally everything they could find from parts of the barricade to chairs to a giant poker chip that it took five of them to carry (laughs) over and drop on him that he then pushed off like it was absolutely nothing later on in the match uh i i really loved his interactions throughout this match and it was just really really fun to watch there was so much to see so much creativity and i i really like the dynamics that they had between scorpio sky and frankie kazarian as two members of the uh scu and how that all played out i thought there were some really really neat spots i loved brian cage putting darby allen on a ladder and then picking up the ladder and <laughs> chucking it out of the ring i mean yeah so much power on display and you know for those of you who don't know welcome to the swolverine era in (laughs) aew he's the best in the world at what he does and what he does isn't very nice we will have to do a deep dive on brian cage's career over the next few weeks uh kind of do a highlight on him because he is just incredible he's been all over the world i when the match ended i ran downstairs to tell michelle because Michelle fell in love with Brian Cage at WrestleCon last year. And she's like, no way. So she might be watching AEW with me now because of Brian Cage. Um, I, I think everyone looked really good in this match. I don't think anyone looked bad. I think everyone contributed, had some spots. I really was impressed with Luchasaurus and some of the spots that he had. And of course, Orange Cassidy just being hilarious. Him trying... Him trying to reach for the ladder, <laughs> reach for the chip at the beginning of the match, just putting his hands in the air. <laughs> I love him standing on the ladder as it was lying down in the middle of the ring. Yep. And, but even even before he got to the ring, walking over to the announce table and asking, <laughs> "Hey, how do I win this match?" And Excalibur being Excalibur being like, "Tony talked to you about this like forty times." You know how to win this match. You have to set up a ladder and grab the chip. And he's like, oh, I have to set up a ladder? It's just it's so much commitment to the bit. And, and he was part of some of my favorite spots in this match. Really, really fun stuff. But I, I love the interaction when Colt Cabana entered the match and was just kind of amused observing Orange Cassidy in the middle of the ring before finally deciding, okay, I've had enough of this. But uh, really great match. And I thought the right person won. I mean, how can you not have Brian Cage win as a surprise entrant in this match, immediately insert him into the AEW title? And I mean, I'm sure we'll be talking about this in weeks to come, but the potential that a Brian Cage, John Moxley match for the title has is limitless. I'm really, really excited for this one. 
And one thing I really liked about his debut is Taz was involved. And the first thing Cage did was kill Darby Allen. Should have should have taken his advice, Darby. Like, Well, and it's great. Backfired, because, bro. You know, we know that he's eventually going to be challenging Moxley for the title. But his first feud, I think, is going to be with Darby Allen for the very reason that you stated. And as soon as his music hit, you know, I didn't know until he said cage in that opening intro who it was, but I immediately recognized Taz's voice because that was Taz who delivered the line who can stand in the path of cage. Awesome stuff. Yeah. And it's incredible. It's a perfect pairing. And, you know, you've got the human suplex machine helping out the machine. This is just going to be fantastic. So I'm really excited to see where this goes. And, I think it's a great opportunity to get Taz more integrated into the product. He's such a valuable asset to AEW. And I think this is just a great way to get him even more involved. It seems like Taz could be what Conan was in early TNA. You know, maybe not the performer because Conan was a, a ring performer then. Conan, Conan, sorry. Um, but it seems like he could be a very good mentor um, and manager here. I want to I just point out one last spot before we move on that I absolutely loved. I love the spot where Cabana was pinned to the bottom turnbuckle and Kip Sabian did like a springboard coast to coast. Oh my God. Kip Sabian is a genius in the ring. And I just really love that spot because it looks so damn good. Also, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Jimmy Havoc's gear. <laughs> he uh, looked the, like the he stole that from Dexter. Suit. I mean, <laughs> that just... It looked so oh, good. Perfect for him. And I thought it was a really cool way to have him come out in gear that looked very appropriate. That wasn't what you would expect because you kind of just expect him to come out in all black and look really emo or goth. And this was a departure from that while still carrying that same aesthetic. It felt very Jimmy Havoc while also feeling like a departure from his typical look. So I really liked that and I really enjoyed he and Penelope Ford's involvement in this match. I thought it was yeah. present without being overbearing. They're, they're a fun group, and I would like to see them do more here in the next few months. I'm sorry, I got one more little spot to talk about. And when I say little, I mean literally. Marco Stunt bringing out the little ladder so they could double choke slam <laughs> Orange Cassidy. <laughs> well, it just... The, so the inanity of Orange Cassidy trying to choke slam Luchasaurus and then grinning when it didn't work. I mean, oh my God. how fantastic is that? Just perfect, man. Any Anything else about this match before we move on? Well, I think we could talk about it all night if we weren't careful. So we should probably go on. Uh, this all match right. was followed by MJF getting the victory over Jungle Boy and... I don't know about you, but I loved this match. And, uh, you know, this was the third match that we saw, if you count the buy-in. And it had a totally different flavor from the previous two matches. We saw some really cool technical wrestling spots. Uh, at one point, we got MJF and Jungle Boy locked up, both standing <laughs> on, their <laughs> on their heads, <laughs> slapping each other, trying to gain advantage as they were locked up in such a bizarre position and there was just so much to like about this match and i thought both of them came across really really well it's clear that these two are going to be a huge part of the future of aew and uh i, I was just blown away I, I expected a lot from this match and it exceeded my expectations yeah i kind of looked at this match as a cooldown match so if you look at my notes Maybe the first five minutes of the match, there's not much. And then I was like, oh, fuck, I have to pay attention because this match is killing it. Um, I I loved like, did you <laughs> I, I wrote Rolling Thunder Chops when Jungle Boy did that kind of like RVD-esque roll and then did the double chops to MJF's chest. Uh, the, 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 the sequence where Jungle Boy hit two Tope Suicidas and the over-the-top flip. My God, just the smoothness that he can move around the ring and MJF, man, like I know he's a heel. I know he's a shit heel, but man, he is such an amazing technical wrestler. And we've seen it in, in his matches before when he's with someone who's super athletic, like him, magic can happen. And 
one of the scarier spots of the night was that poison Rana from Jungle Boy on the apron. I thought I legit thought MJF got knocked out. Like that was sick. <laughs> yeah, that was a very concerning spot. And uh I think MJF had intended to miss the apron altogether and did uh, didn't quite make it over far enough. Uh that just looked brutal. And uh, you know, I was glad to see Aubrey Edwards be right on top of it, jump in and check on him, make sure he was good to go. And uh, he managed to finish the match somehow, but he's going to be sore. Yeah. I mean, and that's not the only part of him that's going to be sore. You mentioned jungle boys chops, but man, MJF's chest was lit up early in this match. And he just kept getting chopped over and over again. I I can't imagine how much that must've stung by the end of it all, but this was a really fun match. And I thought it highlighted a more technical style, kind of a, you know, almost I, I know someone that people don't like to talk about much, but kind of like, you know, a Crispin Law style of match where it was hard hitting, very technical, very intense and, you know, brutal in a way. I, I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, it's it's hard to boost someone when they're doing great work like that. You know, I had to keep reminding myself, oh, yeah, MJF is a slimy heel. We don't like him, Mike. We don't like him. Remember that. I- and they did do a good job of going back to those reminders. I mean, he yep. won in a sequence that started with an eye rake. So, you know, they really stuck with the character while also highlighting that, yeah, he's also a really talented wrestler. And those skills were very much on display. Yeah, not to spoil the next match, but I would love for, to see Cody just kind of do like some like a U.S. Open challenge with this TNT championship. And I would love to see him and Jungle Boy and just a full-on exhibition and just see what they can do. Um, Jungle Boy is great. I would love to see him and Luchasaurus get back into the tag tag scene. Um, but yeah, man, two really great young wrestlers that AEW should feel really good about having in the fold. Well, and I think My it's going to be really helpful for future video packages that Jungle Boy is in these high-profile matches because a year from now, two years from now, maybe even less than that, we're going to see Jungle Boy in a major feud and they're going to need to call back to what are some of the big matches, big tests that he's faced so far in his wrestling career and matches like this one against MJF, who so far this year has been on a tear. You know, those are going to be big things to point to. So, you know. I think this was a great match. I think it served both of them well. I think both of them came out looking like a million bucks. And uh, I'm obviously I think MJF is going to be competing for one of the two major titles here very soon. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Jungle Boy in the mix as well. Uh, One last thing about this match. It's just an overall philosophy of AEW. They trust to put young wrestlers in big spots like. Like Darby Allen's young, MJF is young, Jungle Boy is young, Sammy Guevara is young. You know, you sometimes don't see wrestlers that young get shots in other companies. So the fact that they trust them and they're putting them in a position to succeed and look great is just fantastic. Great for the future. Let's move on to the TNT Championship match between Cody Rhodes and Lance Archer. And wow, did this match start off brutal. Like, <laughs> I thought it was going to end off of the blackout in the first 10 seconds. I was, I, it felt like they were going to do that. <laughs> like, because it came out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, and it was thought, pretty wild. And uh, I, I thought this match, it got off to a hot start. And I was glad to see, you know, Cody take that big bump and then immediately roll out of the ring to kind of reset the match. <laughs> and you know, give us a little bit more. I thought once again, this match gave us a totally different flavor from everything we had seen up to this point on the card. And that's important because if you're giving me the same stuff over and over again, I'm going to be comparing it to the other matches I've already seen. I didn't feel the need to compare this match to anything else. I could just enjoy it for what it was. And I think that plays into its favor. It wasn't the spot fest that we saw in the casino ladder match, but it didn't need to be because it was telling a story that had been developed over the course of several weeks. And this was a great payoff. 
And let's not, you know, there were amazing spots in this match. The military press over the post, that's a big drop. (laughs) That's a really big drop. And Cody was able to survive that. And then I really loved, you know, the spots where Cody hit the DDT right in front of Jake. And then Archer turned around and hit Cody with a spine buster right in front of Arn. I love that stare down. After he yeah. hit that spine buster and he was like, I'm not even going to go for a cover. I'm just going to turn and immediately stare down Arn Anderson and be like, what? What are you going to do? I know this is what you are famous for, but look at me. I just yeah. did that to your boy. And, you know, what What next? So I, I love that spot. And I love the coaches getting booted. I love that Arn cheated, which is great. <laughs> like Arn's advocating for his guy. And then the finish here, you know, um, that springboard cutter off the top rope was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Then with the final reckoning, uh, the crossroads for two. And then I love, there's been a lot of sting rumors with AEW. And I don't know if Cody hitting the stinger splash is just a coincidence, but that was part of the finish. And then, oh, I'm sorry. I am not even close to the end. Sorry. Then that, that double, that reverse suplex off the top rope, that looked freaking dangerous. It yeah, did not look like he gnarly. got the push that he needed to get Archer the full rotation, but that looked like <laughs> that looked insane. And then, yeah, then he hit what was it the 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 crossroads at the end, two crossroads to win it. Yeah, yeah. And, and can like, we take a second and talk about how much Mike Tyson added to this match? Oh, he was great. He did he hardly anything, and he was fantastic. I, like I love was... how into it he was. <laughs> and I think my favorite moment was when, you know, there was the question over whether Arn was going to get booted, and the camera cuts to Mike Tyson, and he's like, eh, get him out of here. Uh, just fantastic. I mean, it was so much fun. I, I wasn't really into that aspect of this match. I didn't think that was a particularly exciting component. But it turned out to be a whole ton of fun. And I really thought that, you know, he did a great job of just being enthusiastic and being a part of what was going on. And when it came time for him to, you know, become physical and threatening and, you know, take his shirt off and flex his muscles, he delivered. I thought it was great. Yeah. One, he's in incredible shape, which is just bonkers because he's, you know, he's an older guy. And two, yeah, I... He made an impact without doing what we thought he was going to have to do. We all assumed someone was eating a punch from Tyson. <laughs> and it's just, you know, I loved even that's like not a huge thing. The fact that it didn't go the way we expected it to is always nice. And my biggest question out of the results of this is what does Lance Archer do from here? It was my big worry if Cody won is the momentum of Archer. It's the similar thoughts we had with Moxley and Brody Lee. So I'm very curious to see where they go from here with him. I really would actually love for, you know, a Kenny Omega or a Hangman Page not to be wrapped up in the tag division because Archer seems like a perfect guy to go after one of them. Perfect, perfect opponent to help get those two over or help get Archer over even more. So what what do you think is kind of the, the what should be the plan here with Archer moving forward? I mean, I, I think you keep Archer out of a major feud for a while. There's so much crowding at the top, especially when you're bringing in someone like Brian Cage. And I, I think the best thing to do is have him win a bunch of matches and then slot him into a feud with somebody You know, if we have Brian Cage, for instance, feuding with Darby Allen for a while, all the time he's feuding with Darby, why not have Lance Archer racking up wins? And then when Brian Cage is getting ready to challenge Moxley for the title, you know, have Lance Archer be somebody that he has to face on his way, because that would be a hell of a match. Those two squaring off. Uh, Brian Cage, if people don't know, He's incredibly athletic and he's someone who can whip out a Hurricane Rana. He can do a moonsault. He can do all of these incredibly athletic maneuvers 
that you wouldn't expect from someone with his physique. And when he's out there with a base like Lance Archer, that gives him the opportunity to get even more creative and pull out things you've never seen before. So I think that would be a great way to use him. Um, or maybe it's somebody else. Maybe you have him built up to face off against another individual. But I, I think the best thing to do, since he started off with a high-profile feud and he came out on the losing end of that feud, is have him win some lower-profile matches to rebuild his heat, get him back in a state where he can then challenge somebody and feel like a legitimate threat. Yeah, now that that sounds really good. and. You know, from on a personal level, I love seeing Cody win the belt here. I, I love the hero finally getting it. It's his whole AW career so far has been putting people over, putting people over. And if there's anyone who's going to hold this title originally, you know, the first one, Rhodes is probably the right person for it. So, well, and, and you said it on the pre-show, like my heart was not in it when I picked Lance Archer to win this match. <laughs> I was doing it purely for the contrarian aspect of I didn't want all of our picks to be the same like last time. So, you know, I expected or I hoped that Cody would win. I wanted Cody to win. And I about came out of my seat and I, I definitely audibly yelled when when that three count was <laughs> called. And, you know, I was super excited. So it, it's, uh, it, it's the outcome that I wanted. I think it's the right decision. And man, what a hell of a match. Yeah, and let's uh, let's move on. We can probably talk about the next two matches in pretty short uh, amount of time, but we had Chris Statlander versus Penelope Ford, which Statlander won with the Big Bang Theory. Um, solid match. It was good. Uh, I think it was a right the right place on the card. I think we needed some sort of calm down, not necessarily a popcorn match because this was not a popcorn match. This was a really competitive, fun match, but we needed a little bit of a breather. And between this match and the Dustin Rhodes, Sean Spears match, I think we got the break we needed. Uh, what's your what's your biggest uh, takeaway from this match, Joel? I mean, my biggest takeaway is that the women's division has sped up. You know, one of the things that we talked about earlier on in the podcast was how sometimes it felt like the women's division was moving in slow motion and that everything that they were doing was good, but it just felt a little bit stilted and the rhythm wasn't quite there. That was not the case in either of the women's matches on this card, but I thought Chris Statlander and Penelope Ford put on a great athletic wrestling match, and I think they have really good ring chemistry. I I enjoyed a lot of the spots in this match, and it was great to see what Chris Statlander can do in a high-profile match when she's healthy, and this was something we talked about in our preview, and I think she absolutely delivered. I'm bummed that it wasn't Chris Statlander and Britt Baker, it's it's really a shame, especially finding out how severe Britt Baker's injury is. Uh, that is, you know, no small thing to have ligament damage and a fracture in her her bone. I mean, that, that's pretty serious stuff. And I wish her the best. I'm going to be bummed to not have the role model in the ring uh, for the next, you know, several weeks or months. And uh, I hope she can make a speedy recovery. But yeah, I mean, I thought this was a great match. And, you know, Penelope Ford is a gem in this division. She is so athletic and so skilled and just makes everything look good. So mm -hmm. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I have really nothing more to say. I think you covered most of it. It was fun. Uh, Statlander has a ton of potential. Uh, curious to see where they go from here in the division as a whole, especially, you know, losing your biggest heel or your second biggest heel in Britt Baker for a while. I do love that even the injury announcement, like, gave us more heat on her because the doctor is talking about, like, how bad of a patient she is, <laughs> you know? So um, I, I really love that. But, yeah, it's going to be curious to see where they go from here. Um, I think Statlander is is wonderful, and uh, yeah, I think we we can move on to what I didn't really take many notes for Dustin Rhodes versus Sean Spears, which I I believe Dustin got the win. Like I'm having a little trouble remembering. Yes, yes, he did. This match played and, out almost exactly yeah. like we talked about on our preview show, with the exception that Sean Spears did not find a way to win. 
you know, he came out in his suit and he, you know, wasn't expecting Dustin to show up and did the typical chicken shit heel routine when Dustin came out and battled back, looked like he might get the win. And then, you know, Dustin got him up for the final reckoning and that was it. So kind of bummed to see Sean Spears lose in this position (laughs) when, you know, he had kind of been building up and building his heat and, and setting himself up. But, you know, it is what it is. And I guess they felt like they needed to get some, some shine back on Dustin after he got demolished by Lance Archer, Um, especially given that Lance Archer lost. I I think maybe it's a little different for Dustin's situation. If Lance wins, because then, you know, he lost to the eventual champion and that kind of puts you in a different light. But, you know, I, I hate to see Sean Spears be on the receiving end when he's been doing such good work, but Honestly, I don't think this match is of huge consequence, but it was entertaining. No, it it doesn't knock him down a peg or anything like that. The Tully sticker on his crotch was a little weird. I literally thought his dick was hanging out at one point because of the fleshy tone. Um, so I'm glad it wasn't. But um, yeah, I I you know I I think it just kind of fell in the place of the card. If the if this wasn't part of this kind of cool down period before our like three co main events. I think it could have been different and it would have been a more serious match, but um, Sean Spears is kind of this heel comedy character right now anyways. So him getting his and and getting embarrassed like that is, is that's wrestling. So um, hopefully Sean Spears won't be in his underwear all the time like that, you know, because he's a great worker and he's a great talker, but yeah, I I think, uh, I think we can move on um, unless you have anything else to say. No, let's move on. So the next match on the card was, Hikaru Shida getting the victory and winning the women's championship from Nyla Rose. And uh, I thought this was an excellent, excellent match. Both competitors looked really good and were moving very well. You know, I I mentioned earlier that I felt like both women's matches on this card were sped up compared to what we've seen in the women's division in AEW. And I was really glad to see that. And man, Shida is so good good <laughs> yes i it was so freaking happy i didn't we both picked nyla rose and when she got that three count i lost my mind dude this was such a fun match this is one of the more physical hardcore matches we've seen in the women's division and god any company in a long time i know there's been some really good stuff on nxt but i just loved loved this match and shout out to Sheeta in her final fantasy seven tifa gear i marked out because i've been playing the hell out of that game and tifa is my girl so i already loved you before Sheeta. you just had to bring it to level 10 so thank you um but just just an incredible match um i was what i love the poker table spot that was so freaking cool and I think I saw you tweet, but the sound effects of like the chips flying everywhere. Yeah, was... I thought that was a really sonically interesting spot. Like we're not used to hearing that kind of sound. No. And just kind of that that rattling effect was really cool. And I thought that was one of two really neat prop spots in this match. The other one being Sheeta driving Nyla through the giant poker chip and and knocking that over. I thought those were two mm-hmm. really cool spots and everything in this match looked good. It, it was, there were so many times when I thought the match could have ended off of big spots. When Sheeta hit the Falcon arrow from the second rope, oh, my God. I thought for <laughs> sure, like, Oh, that's going to do it. That's a huge bump, but no, that wasn't it. So there was still more to be had. Yeah, man. Oh, my God. Just <laughs> incredible stuff here. Um, and I, I think we talked about this, but Sheeta's got to be the pound for pound, like strongest person in the women's division, because like even Nyla sometimes still looks like she struggles to to get the other women up. But everything Sheeta does looks smooth, looks powerful. The kendo shot, kendo stick shots throughout this match also looked painful on both ends. <laughs> like that looked insane to take all those hits. Um, 
But yeah, I'm so happy that Hikaru Shida is our AW Women's Champion. A bit surprising, though, don't you think? You know, we talked about on the pre-pod that she, Nyla Rose didn't really have much of a reign because of COVID. So I'm a little surprised. What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, in the books, it's going to go down as being three months long. But in reality, not really, because because kind of six weeks out of that was quarantine and yeah, she, not she being lost able her to, second to be or there. third defense, you know? Like it, it was either her second or third defense total. So um really surprised that they did that. Um I do think that Nyla Rose is one of those characters that doesn't necessarily need the belt. You know, the Undertaker was only what a seven time world champion in his entire career. Like I think you can do stuff with her that doesn't she doesn't have to be in the title picture. Um but I am a little concerned of who the heel challengers for Hikaru Shida would be going forward because we lost one tonight or on Wednesday night due to the injury in Britt Baker. And she just beat the other probably one a one B heel in the company right now. So very curious to see what the women's division, I love the momentum that they've built the last two months, but you got to keep it going. So I'm very curious to see where they go from here. Um, But I don't think it hurts Nyla as much as some people on the internet might be thinking. I agree with that. I have three thoughts about where this could go. All right, let's go. One, you don't One. necessarily need a heel. That's true. You know, with especially with Sheeta's character being what it is, you know, she is this fierce warrior persona. And you can have a face versus face showdown within those parameters that has stakes and feels like it matters and feels intense. So I think someone like a Chris Statlander could absolutely challenge Sheeta and have it be, you know, built on mutual respect and may the best person win. And I think you can build up the drama there if you're if you're skillful about it. Two, uh, B Priestley is out there. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's been very active on social media and has been, you know, doing lots of workouts. I don't know when she's going to become available, when she's going to be able to come back and wrestle in AEW, but she's a beast and she's absolutely a great heel and someone who could come in and, you know, fulfill that role. And uh, the third option here is uh, you could have Riho come back as a heel. I don't know if you saw on social media, but she just showed off new gear that is all black. And Uh-oh. you know what that she means really fierce and vicious in that. And I think it would be awesome to see her come back as a villain and Ooh, embrace right. a darker side of her character. So I think any of those options I would be very happy with. Um, but you know, you know who I want to see in a match with Sheeta soon. Big Swole was looking to pick a fight with everyone tonight. Did you notice that? I loved how (laughs) into this show Big Swole was. I thought she added a ton to this broadcast just by how intense she was in the crowd and and how engaged she was with everything that was going on. And she was screaming at at Archer at one point. And then during this match, when Sheeta was on the chair and Nyla was like digging the chair into her neck, if you notice in the background, someone had to hold her back because she was trying to jump in there to get involved. I, I don't know if that, that had to be a conscious decision, but I think she's a perfect person who can do a, like a super intense athletic match with Sheeta. So yeah, my, my vote's big swell, but yeah, I've, I forgot about B Prisley. I haven't like that, that name. I was like, Oh my God. I just was like, how could I forget that when you mentioned that? So um, yeah, I think it's going to be a fun, you know, uh, there's no pay-per-view until September. So there's going to be some big matches here over the next few months on Dynamite. So we're going to hopefully see some good women's matches here in the near future. Anything else about this match before we move on to the AEW World Championship match? No, let's get into it. So um, Moxley retained his title, defeating Brody Lee for the AEW Championship. And uh, I thought this was a really fun match. And... Possibly the most striking thing about this match was Brody Lee's gear. I thought he awesome looked gear. fantastic. And uh, I, I really liked it because, you know, not only did 
it make him look like a million bucks. It also kind of fit with the more corporate look. You know, the yeah. the pants kind of resembled slacks in a way. And I, I thought that was really fitting. He lo- kind of looked like he had, you know, gotten rid of his suit jacket and taken off his button down. And that was what was on underneath and uh, looked really cool. And I, I thought you know that who, was the... You know Go who ahead. it reminded me of? Diesel. Like 90s Diesel. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. just the way he moved, just the way his body looked in the ring, even the color scheme, because wasn't Diesel's like main thing, like black, white and gray when he was in WWF? Like, that was he, right. and I, I know Kevin Nash's was a super athlete, too, but just seeing the spots that Brody Lee was doing in these matches, like, man, just reminded me of of a younger Kevin Nash. And I, dude, we are getting the body diversity we wanted. Holy hell, we got it. <laughs> Like no more complaining about AEW being just small guys. We have some hosses, we have some big guys, and uh, I really loved what Brody Lee showed here. And we knew that he could do cool things from his time in the other wrestling company. But this was the best match I've ever seen, Brody Lee. And God, I can't even remember what he went by in WWE. Luke Harper. Luke Harper. There we go. I can't even like. I, he never was able or allowed to do this type of stuff in the other company. And I texted you when this match was, you know, was really starting to get going. I was amazed at the pace. I assumed it would be a slower pace match because some of Moxley's matches can be a little slower, you know, strike based. This match was frantic and it was fast the entire time. And I loved it. Absolutely. Like I was looking forward to basically every other match. But this is one of my favorites from the card. I really enjoyed the work they did here. Well, any pro wrestling fan who listens to podcasts and have heard, you know, pro wrestlers talk about the experience of being on different shows knows that the wrestlers watch the matches earlier on the card. And I think Mox and Brody Lee both saw the Cody and Lance Archer match and saw that that kind of slightly slower paced, more brawly sort of match that lane had already been filled. So they needed to do something different. And they definitely picked up the pace in this match. And it was a brutal affair. It was a really, really fun. And really, some of the spots from Brody Lee just look oh my God. vicious. He's yeah. got that kind of kick stomp kind of move down pat. I mean, it looks so brutal. Uh, I was really impressed at the DDT through the stage. That was nuts. You know, we didn't get a crimson mask, but we got kind of a crimson spider web. And, uh, (laughs) you know, Brody Lee really just looked great coming up out of the floor with the blood streaming down his forehead. It added a level of drama here. I'm not a fan of color for the sake of color. I think it needs to matter. And I think it needs to add something (laughs) here in this match. I did feel like it added something. It belonged. It belonged. And, one thing about that spot through the ring, uh, through the, the stage, if that was the other wrestling company, this match doesn't get a finish. It ends. Yeah. They're like, oh my God, they're under the ring, and they would call it. So the fact that this match kept going, it didn't last long, you know? Um, you know, it was what? A, uh, the paradigm shift into, and then into the Rear Naked Choke end. But the fact that this match wasn't called because I was thinking maybe they'll have a non-finish and that's how we don't bury Brody. But I think Brody having this showing, I'm not I'm not worried about him losing his momentum. And one of my favorite spots here was the the half Nelson suplex into the Royal Flush set piece. Yeah. That was awesome. That and you really could tell good. like that didn't look flimsy. Like that felt really strong and then he did the scoop slam onto it. And I just love that like aesthetic of the Royal Flush and the wrestlers. Those two were on them just in it. And I, oh my God, I didn't even mention the security in the ring before the match just made it feel way, way, way bigger. I love that aesthetic. It was awesome. Well, it really played up the animosity as well with Brody Lee having stolen the belt from Moxley that, you know, of course, Mox is going to want to get his hands on him as quickly as possible and reclaim his title belt. So of course it's necessary 
to have security out there until the bell rings to make sure that the match doesn't start until it's supposed to. So again, I feel like that was a really good way to add to the story. And I really enjoyed this one. I just, I feel like I'm a broken record, but this was one of the best pay-per-views I've ever watched live from top to bottom. I mean, it was just a fantastic show and we haven't even gotten to the main event yet, but I mean, this one was really, really fun. Uh, you, you mentioned, um, oh shoot, I'm drawing a blank here. Well, we're at it once you find your spot. <laughs> so I felt like they did a really good job also with the finish of Brody Lee didn't tap out. It was a referee stoppage. And I think that's always a good way to save face for somebody that you don't want to take a clean loss without having to resort to a DQ. You know, we are this far into AEW. They started having regular weekly television in October It's almost the end of May. We have yet to see a match decided by disqualification. That's pretty cool. That's amazing. Man, I I watched Raw and there was like two back to back a few weeks ago. I'm just like, you got to get more plays in your playbook, Vince. My God. Um, And I don't think this I don't think this necessarily has to be the end of a Brody Lee, John Moxley program. I think this could continue. Um, we can talk more about that on our regular show this week because we have got to get, I don't to one of the most insane and fun and bonkers and crazy matches I have ever seen in my life, the stadium stampede match between the Elite and the Inner Circle. And the Elite won off of one of the most insane spots I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, we talked seriously. About before how the one-winged angel is kind of a dangerous move anyways. Like, if you do that wrong, you could really hurt someone. And Kenny jumped, what, 25 feet with Sammy on his shoulder, and they nailed that spot? I mean, that was a big drop. I mean, and obviously they had, big, they had padded the drop. landing zone, but still, I mean, there's a lot of margin for error there. This was a match that saw everything from cooling fans to Gatorade baths to swimming pools to a frickin horse. I mean, there was so much that happened in this match. And, you know, if someone wasn't pelting somebody else with footballs, then you had somebody doing Northern Lights suplexes literally from one end zone to the other. I mean... This match was insane, and there was so much comedy. There was so much fun. I loved Sammy getting up, thinking he had won the match, and then hearing the sound of the golf cart. <laughs> and some, some Brad Pitt-level facial acting from Sammy Guevara here with his reaction to recognizing what that sound was, turning and seeing the golf cart and then sprinting across the field to escape. I mean, this match was phenomenal. We had Jake Hager and Hangman Page sit down at the bar and have a drink. Have a drink. Before (laughs) fighting each other and breaking pool sticks over each other. This was fantastic. And we we got someone in the swimming pool, man. And I lost my mind when the Matt Facts came on the screen. That whole segment. And, and the fact that Santino Ortiz could see it and they pointed out like, oh, look at that. He can hold his breath for 360 seconds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's was, there was just so much to love in this oh. main event. It was wild and crazy and amazing. And uh, I loved Santana and Ortiz thinking they had finally drowned Matt Hardy and leaving him, you know, left for dead in the pool and then he rises up and grabs them both and pulls them backwards into the water and the looks on their faces were priceless i mean everybody was in on it everybody was committed to the bit and it showed i thought this was great work from all 10 competitors involved and shout out to jackson deville for taking a freaking judas effect (laughs) like I, there's just so much uh, 
I'm about to sneeze. Sorry. Give me a second. <laughs> it came out of nowhere. Okay. <laughs> ah. Um. There we go. Okay. Uh. And like, what? <laughs> Leave me alone. Um. Jesus. <laughs> I loved. I loved the like the football references. So I really loved the inner circle coming out in like matching uniforms. I love the intros. Oh, the intros were fantastic. <laughs> so good. And I loved um like Matt Jackson getting an uh, unnecessary uh like excessive celebration penalty. Yeah. And then just super kicking the ref. Well, like, not to that mention some- <laughs> Jericho throwing a challenge flag <laughs> and Jericho and Aubrey Edwards going into the the little review tent and Aubrey being like, You're not even supposed to be in here. Get out of here oh my god and then like i and then just the callbacks you know uh matt put santana in an ice machine and uh the i loved the the i loved hangman taking the bar ride like it's in a western movie like and then even like and some of the actual wrestling in this match the 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 buckshot lariat off of kenny omega's back I loved that spot. That was oh so my cool. God. That was amazing. And I just, I, I tweeted, this is how you innovate when circumstances are out of your control. And I, I'm, I'm taking a shot at the other wrestling company, live sports that are coming back or that have been on TV have been getting killer ratings. You know why? Because people need shit right now. The fact that WWE is having record low ratings is a sin because this is a time where people are craving content and you can't do anything different. And AEW tonight, it's like, screw it. We're going to use a football stadium and just do whatever our, our talent wants and see what happens. And it was amazing. We this talked a few weeks ago. Innovative, man. <laughs> yeah, we talked a few weeks ago about how AEW had leaned into the funny haha side of wrestling a little bit more and presented a little bit more lighthearted of a product during this time. And I think that's necessary. You know, people aren't looking for something super serious right now because the world is super serious right now. We want something that we can tune into and unplug and enjoy and laugh along with the insanity of you know, a bunch of pro wrestlers running around a football field, running around a football stadium, the concourse and everything. And then at the end, somebody getting a Gatorade bath after they win. <laughs> because it's crazy pants and it's so much fun. And it takes you away from the struggle that we're all going through right now. So I was really appreciative. I thought this was an yeah. excellent show. And I, I really can't think of a wrestling show that I enjoyed watching more from top to bottom and especially a show that was four and a half hours long yeah yeah i i I would think some of the takeovers i've been to um takeover new orleans takeover new york takeover 25 no whatever there was in uh it wasn't 25 whatever it was takeover in connecticut last year those were all great events was it 25 okay that i love from start to finish but yeah like you said none of those events were this long and consistently good throughout the show. And if the only thing that we talked about a little negative was, oh yeah, Sean Spears had to get embarrassed a bit. But even that was like, no, we get it. And it's fine. And it was funny. And like, you could justify everything that happened on this card. Um, I have seen a little criticism that a lot of the faces went over, but I think that goes into what you're saying. You know, I think people needed something to cheer for and Sheeta winning was amazing and made me smile. And I teared up a bit because I was so happy and Cody winning was such a triumphant moment, you know, and we'll our, he- our heels will get theirs in the next few weeks. Like they always do. But you know, sometimes they always say you want to send the fans home happy out of WrestleMania. Well, they sent the fans home happy tonight and like, I can't complain. I love this pay-per-view. I love this company. And I love the fact that we can talk. What time is it? It is one in the morning. I'm talking with my best friend about this type of wrestling. God damn. (laughs) Yeah, it's really fantastic. I also think, you know, I think our brains are broken 
right? From so many years of watching WWE, where you do the mental calculus of how many heels have gone over versus how many faces have gone over as you're starting to approach the main event. And you use that to predict who's going to go over in that main event. AEW is not subscribing to those rules. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's great that we can have a pay-per-view that's more dominated by the faces because that develops the story moving forward. Now we're going to expect, okay, this was a new hope. What's going to happen in Empire Strikes Back? How is this going to change the dynamic? And where are our heroes going to be a few months from now? That's what I'm tuning in for. That's what I want to see. It doesn't have to be balanced at all times. It has to be balanced over a period of time. So I think this was great. And, you know, going back and looking at Revolution, I mean, Moxley went over. But other than that, I mean, the heels did pretty daggum well. Yep. Yep. So, man, just a great night. I'm going to rewatch this show probably once or twice this week because I really enjoyed it. And also, I won our pickoff, six to five. Yes, Boom. I, I, <laughs> I have to carry that. I have to blame myself for not choosing Cody and to <laughs> when you really wanted to yeah. making things more interesting by picking Lance Archer. But oh well, it is what it is. Man, um, oh, can we talk about how Matt Jackson did a, a, a moonsault off of the goalpost? Not really much to talk about. I just love that spot. That was super cool. <laughs> just wonderful stuff. I, I think that concludes our our review, man. Unless you have anything else you want to say. Uh, nothing else to say about the pay-per-view. I will say that I think the limited preview of what's coming up on Dynamite really sets us up moving forward. You know, we know who's going to be challenging for the tag team titles. We know who's going to be challenging for the AEW title. And once we see this battle royal on Wednesday, we'll know who's challenging for the TNT title. So the only title that has mystery surrounding it is the women's championship. And I think, as we talked about earlier, there's so many great options to slot in because there's so much talent. You know, we could even see someone like Anna Jay be elevated and put into a feud with Hikaru Mm -hmm. Shida. And she's someone who I think would benefit from being in the ring with someone with so much skill and experience. And, you know, it's a great opportunity to make a name for somebody. She's someone who had a couple of good matches during the quarantine break and uh, is a product of the Nightmare Factory. So obviously they want to promote those individuals. And, you know, that that's the title that we need to know more about. Where is that division going? What's happening now with Hikaru Shida holding the belt. So, oh, hey, Joel, breaking news. There will be another pay-per-view. Sorry, there's going to be a fire Fest this summer. So we'll have another event in between now and All Out. That's pretty exciting. Oh, Brian Cage, John Moxley at Fighter Fest this year. And Fighter Fest, give me one second, I will get you the date is oh doesn't look like they have a date okay fighter fest will be more information released at dynamite this week so we're gonna have a pay-per-view over the summer this is gonna be sweet very cool yeah i wonder if it's gonna be a free one like it was last oh, I would year love or it could be a free if... pay-per-view <laughs> i think that could be a really good strategic move for them because you know, I'm assuming they're going to get some very positive press off of this show because I felt like it was very strong. And if you can capitalize yeah. on that, if you've got an interested audience that maybe didn't want to pay for Double or Nothing, but, you know, we'll tune in and check out this hot product right now. That could be a great way to get people invested before All Out happens in the fall. So uh, that's exciting news. And uh, I'm sure we'll have more to talk about with that in the relatively near future. But I think that's all I have to say. I think I've gotten yeah, it all I out of my so system. Too, man. Just a great night. And uh, guys, you know where to find us. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Other Wrestling Show. You can find us on Twitter at OWS underscore pod. You can follow Joel at The Other Joel on Twitter. And you can follow me at Michael underscore Aranda on Twitter. I really should change that to The Other Mike, but I've had mine for a long time. <laughs> like, I don't want to lose that, but eh, we'll figure that out. Um, you can email us at the other wrestling show at gmail.com. 
You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And if you're an Android guy like me, you can find it on pretty much any of the Android-specific products, um, podcasting products. Damn it, I screwed it up. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling.